Okay. And a little bit later start, but, you know, <laughs> the way God works, right? Um, so, uh, if anybody doesn't have uh, handouts, do you have any, you have those handouts back there? Yeah, there's some, there's some handouts in the back there. Um, last week's uh, handout uh, has, um, uh, we started into our study on pneumatology, uh, what we're going to he- what we're going to learn uh, in our time together today is uh, um, last week we looked at his personality, the personality of the Holy Spirit, his divine attributes, and his divine works. Those those are up on the up on the. Um, uh, there should be like five pages to each package there. How far do we get though? Because we forgot our thing. Um, go ahead and take a whole section. We we got through to. Oh yeah, no, through his divine sides. works. Yeah. We got through his divine works. There's front and back. Yeah. Yeah, they're front and back. Um, so we got through his divine works last time, and this, I kind of get together today. We're going to try to look at his representations and his role in revelation and inspiration. We'll get partway through that uh, in our time and pick up the, the remainder in our time next week. Uh, pneumatology, uh, as we looked here, um, uh, come, ology means what? The, the study of, and in this case, pneuma. So pneuma, does anybody know what pneuma is then? Study of spirit. Study of the spirit. Pneuma also in, in the scriptures, um, in the uh, Greek, stands for wind. Wind. So we're going to look a little bit further about that today. Okay. Um, last time we got together, we looked at his personality, that uh, he has an intellect, uh, he has knowledge, uh, he understands the mind of God, he's the one who has a mind, uh, the Father knows his mind, uh, we saw that he, he has emotions, um, and he has a will. Uh, we also saw last time as to his divine attributes, that they are all part of God's, God's divine attributes, and they are omniscience, his omnipresence. Um, his omnipotence, uh, the fact that he is true, the only true God. Um, he is eternal. He's holy and good. Uh, he has uh, he, uh, love. He demonstrates love. Um, he, he demonstrates life. He is the life-giving resource that we have and uh, wisdom. And in his works, we saw that he's involved in creation. He inspires and illuminates. He generated Christ, convicts men, men of sin and righteousness and judgment. He's the agent of regeneration. He guides believers in righteousness and comforts the in, and indwells believers. Uh, he was sent by the Son to come alongside people of the church. Uh, he helps us pray and intercedes for us. He sanctifies us. Uh, he restrains sin. He baptizes believers into union with Christ. Uh, he is a source of gifts for the, believer, for, for the service of the believer. He fills believers. Yeah. He gives us the power to overcome sin. Um, of all these, you may look through them real quick and, and see which one to you um, is the be- is is the great one of his greatest works um, from the standpoint of how for your own life. For me, if I had to prioritize all of them, it would be this one. He provides the power to overcome sin. Um, Always the next one. He will produce fruit in the life of the obedient, submissive Christian, and he is an element in the believer's assurance of eternal security. Really important point. Um, okay. Well, let's get into his representations, if we could, this morning. Turn with me, uh, uh, if you would, to um, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. 
Um, we're going to go through these a little bit faster than I had wanted to, um, but that's okay. Luke 24, 49. Would somebody read that one? Okay. He's talking to his disciples and he's asking them to stay in the city. The city is Jerusalem here. Until you are, quote, uh, until you, quote, receive the promise of my Father. And he, and he characterizes that promise as, quote, that you receive that you are that you are clothed with power from on high. The word "clothed" is the idea of literally somebody puts clothing on top of you and you slip into it. Okay, and it comes from where? It's it's power from on high. So this word "power" is the same root word that we get the word "dynamite," dynamite from dunamos. So it's you're clothed with dynamite from on high. The on high is literally about fr- from, from heaven, from the third heaven. From the presence of God, he's going to send dynamite in, in, in the form of clothing around you, which is going to be the Spirit of God. Okay? Make sense? Alright? Second is a dove. Let's look at, uh, um, let's look at Luke 3.22 first. Luke 3.22. So this is uh, really Jesus Christ's Christ's coming out party. Um, uh, uh, John the Baptist is is, uh, is, uh, uh, baptizing um, people in the River Jordan, and um, Jesus Christ comes down there. And... uh, Jesus Christ is baptized by um, uh, John the Baptist, and um, and we see at that point in time that that the Holy Spirit descends upon him in quote bodily form. So literally, this dove it looked like a dove, it was a dove, but the dove was embodied in the dove was the Holy Spirit of God, and uh, he came and rested upon Christ. And at the same time, God the Father spoke and said, in, in this person, Jesus Christ, I am well pleased. Um, okay? Uh, let's take a look at, um, at uh, John one thirty two. John one thirty two. Here we get a little bit more illumination around this issue. Uh, John one thirty two. Somebody got that? John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending dove out of heaven. And here in 33? I did not recognize him, but baptized in the water said to me, On whom Spirit descending, and who baptizes in the Holy Okay. So here we see a special uh, insight into revelation that was given to John, unbeknownst to us other than this verse, that said, When you see. He says right up above here, he says, I didn't know who this person was. I did not recognize him. I didn't know who he was. And when you see a, a dove come down from heaven and rest on an individual, you will know that that person is the Messiah. That is the person who, who is to come, of which you are a forerunner of. So when that happened, he's like, got it! <laughs> and then all of a sudden, God speaks. You know, so here you see the Son of God and the Spirit of God and the 
and, and God the Father all in the same kind of going, yeah, it's him. <laughs> it's him. <laughs> you know. Um, so what a, what a cool thing. But a dove. Next is a pledge. Um, we're going to look at the next two, a pledge and a, and a seal. <coughs> Turn with me to 2 Corinthians one twenty two. 2 Corinthians one twenty two. So we got that. Let's do 21 and 22 if you would. By the way, I flipped some of these around a little bit, so my apologies. Look and see which one to fill in there. Um, so first of all, we see here is that uh, he uh, sealed us, and then he gave us the Spirit of God in our hearts as a pledge. So this, he sealed us with the Spirit and gave it, gave it, to, gave him to us as a pledge. So first of all, a seal. Um, a seal is really speaks of a, a number of different things. You can write them down real quick. Um, first of all, certification. They would take their ring, signet ring, and put it in wax and, and, and certify something as a seal. It was a seal to, to kind of documents and stuff, right? So when Jesus Christ has given us the Spirit of God, it's, as a, it's, it's certifying, certifying to those who would watch or see that we are gods. Okay? Second uh, point on, on, on sealing is ownership. Ownership. It's, it's, a, it's a demonstration of ownership. Uh, of who he, of, uh, that we that that he owns us. The third is uh, security and protection. Anybody that would mess with that seal would have to mess with that person who was the owner of the seal. And so the fact that we've been in, um, imp- imprinted with the seal of God as the Spirit of God says that God is our Father, and He is the one that they have to mess with, not us. Okay, and therefore security and protection come along. along. Second point. Second point here is the as a pledge. So the, he's spoken of as a pledge. A pledge here is like a dowry. Anybody know what a dowry is? We use, we do this all the time. Um, we give a uh, gift of some significance when we're going to get married. What is that usually? Ring, right? An engagement ring. You give it to that person, and that's meant to say what a pledge that I love you and there's coming a time when when this relationship is going to be consummated, it's going to be brought together in, in finality and, and closed. And so that that is a pledge, it's a token of my pledge to that person of that love. Well, interestingly enough, this pledge, if the Holy Spirit is given, given to our hearts, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. So we will read 13 and 14. The gospel of yourself marked in him, promised Holy Spirit our inheritance rise. Amen. One of my favorite verses, he says that the Holy Spirit, uh, that we were marked through the seal given to us by the Holy Spirit, or sealed in him, and the Holy Spirit was given to us as a pledge, or, quote, a down payment, a first installment, a dowry, um, an engagement ring that says, I'm going to fulfill this commitment that says the Spirit of God lives in us. That's the promise. He promised in John 14, 16, and 17, if you want to write that down, John 14, 16, 17, he promised that the Spirit of God would be, would come and that that would be the sign of the fact that He is coming again. So what a great promise we have that says because the Spirit of God dwells in us at Pentecost, from then on, 
that literally the Spirit of God dwelling in me is, is, is that absolute confident assurance I can have that Christ is coming again and He's going to consummate this marriage, that I will be forever with Him, forever, eternally. And, and that eternal security or that eternal um, confidence that we have is because of the Spirit of God indwelling us. What an amazing thing. Very cool. Um, so that transaction is going to be fulfilled. Um, we see that in, in uh, it's going to be fulfilled in the second half of the tribulation period when the marriage uh, marriage of the Lamb takes place with church. Yeah, what a cool... Uh, the wind, um, we, we won't turn to this one, but he talks about the wind. He says the spirit, where the spirit blows, where the wind blows, nobody knows. But the Spirit of God knows because He goes before in the wind, and he, it is the wind. When you see the, when you see like, like the things we talked about this morning of how the Spirit's working, you don't see the, the you don't you see the things being done, but you don't see the thing, right? I mean, when you look out and you see the wind blowing, you can't see wind blowing. How do you see wind blowing? You don't see wind blowing. You see things moving, which says you think the wind's blowing. Okay. And the same way is the way the Spirit of God works in our hearts. Okay. Next is fire. Fire in Acts two. Remember what he says in Acts two when when uh, when when Pentecost came. What did what happened? Tongues of fire came actually down visually on their heads. And he says not only did they see the visual fire, but they heard this violent rushing wind. And not only that, but then they spoke in tongues, so they audibly heard what was happening. So they heard, they saw, and 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 and, and everything there, uh, what was happening. So, fire, um, oil. First uh, John, First uh, John uh, talks about oil, two two twenty and twenty seven. Talks about the anointing, the anointing of God through oil. What? What they used to do with oil, when they put oil on the person's head, it was for the act of what? Healing, uh, definitely healing. Um, and also um, setting a person aside, or what they call consecration. So when a person would be set aside, setting a, set aside for a specific work, um, remember when uh, David was called? You know, they, he anointed him with his head with what? Oil. Right, so the same kind of thing is set aside for consecration, and so the Holy Spirit says He set us, sets us, he, He's in our hearts, and He sets us aside for the purpose of being able to know truth. He says you don't have any, you don't have need of anybody to tell you what is true. The Holy Spirit's inside you, going, "Hello, true, 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 false, true, true, false." When we listen to Him, He tells us. He says you don't have that. You don't have. When you became a believer, you didn't all of a sudden have to have somebody go, wrong, right, <laughs> okay? You knew. He, the Spirit of God is the one doing that work. Last but not least here is water. Water. Um, uh, turn with me to this one, and, with, and we'll, um, we'll use this as our last one here. John chapter 7. Um, John chapter 7. Uh, would somebody read verses 37 through 39? John 7, 37 through 39. I don't want us to leave this morning without getting this one. 
getting it, okay? What I mean by that is, what does he say is, is the problem of mankind? All mankind is thirsty if they really allow them to be thir- themselves to be thirsty. All mankind is thirsty if they really allow themselves to be thirsty. Their souls are thirsty. Why is that? It's because we've been created in the image of God. We've been created for fellowship and intimacy. And that does not exist, mankind, with our Creator. That's how we've been created. Can't undo that. Okay? And he says, um, come, how do you solve this? He says, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. And he says, and when he does, he will believe in me. As he's in the process of drinking, he will believe in me. For, and from when he believes in me, from his innermost being, the promises shall flow rivers of living water. Li- rivers of living water. It says that, one, the well won't run dry because it's always followed up with more. And it's satisfying to the soul. It is the, it is the presence of God in the, in the person. And it's, and it's like more water than one can ever, ever imagine. And it's, it's, it's pure water um, that satisfies the soul. He says he was speaking of the Spirit yet to come. So the Spirit of God, um, I don't have time to go to it here, but look at John 4.10 and 14. He says that the Spirit of God is a never-ending well in us that, remember when he was with the woman at the well? He talks about, when you ingest me, you, you'll have a well that never runs dry and it will be flowing over with rivers of living water. We go to Revelation 22. He says that in, in, in the New Jerusalem, there's going to be the Father, is going to be the Son, and there's going to be the river of living water that will be present. He says for the healing of the nations. For the, literally for the qualitative side of eternal life. And it, that when we drink that, it, it will be somehow the best of, of, of it. But, but the Spirit of God is shown to be, if you would, in this new Jerusalem in, in a way that is within in this pure water. And he says, last but not least, turn last verse we'll look at today is is is, is uh, Romans 22, last almost last verse of the Bible. He says, um, verse 16 and 17, if you would. <clears throat> He's talking uh, in his final words to unbelievers, and uh, he's just finished giving them some incentives um, to believe in him, and then he offers this incredible invitation. He says, I, Jesus Christ, have sent my angel to testify to you, verse 16, 22, to you of these things. For the, church, for the churches, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And verse 17 is what I wanted to end with. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one, and let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. It is without cost, yet it's the most expensive water there ever was. And he says, You drink of me in my spirit, you will have rivers, not one river, plural rivers, living water, flowing from from within and it will 
unequivocally satisfy and quench your soul. I mean, nothing else in this world. What an amazing thing. And would you close us in prayer? Amen. Have a great day.